Amen. I hope that breeds some urgency and focus as we start to unpack a new series called Here and Now. And the title of the message this afternoon is Yesterday, Today, and Forever. So I'm hoping the guys will put a, a picture up on the screen uh, in a second of a crowd. And I want us to take a look at this picture when it comes on the screen. And I want you to tell me what you see. Just to point out, by the way, this picture went viral for one reason. We're not playing Where's Wally, don't worry, yeah? What do you see? See a whole bunch of people with cell phones. This photo was taken at a film premiere in Boston, Massachusetts about four years ago. And I want to suggest to us today that we need to be this lady right here. Do you know what she's doing that everyone else is not doing? She's just enjoying the moment. That's all she's doing. Often we will capture images, photos, etc., because we want to look at it down the line, but then that's past. So I want to ask a question to you this afternoon. When did you last just enjoy the moment, the moment that you're in right now? Think about it for a second. Psalm 118, verse 24, a word that we all know very well. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? So I want to take us on a bit of a journey today, whereby we start to understand that we cannot allow our past to hold us hostage, but we cannot also be so obsessed, if I can use that word, by what the potential of our future is, that we don't actually live in the now. I want to suggest to you that we need to start to do better at living in the now. We know that God spoke the Bible into being in the past, but his word is alive and active today. He has also embedded every today in every single one of his presence in your life. Now, if God is omnipotent and omnipresent, then he is active and a part of your surroundings in every single moment. The Apostle Paul describes this in Acts 17, 28 as, in him we live and we have our being. When was the last time that you just were at peace with the Lord, with what's happening in your life today? We all know Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. So I want to provide some evidence that we are not always conscious as Christians about the now your testimony. Amen? We all have a testimony? Praise God. I guarantee you if I was to just randomly pick some people, and I won't, don't worry, and ask you to come on the platform and share your testimony in one minute, I guarantee there'll be two variables that every single person will present every single time. You will go back to the dusty old history books of yesteryear where God did something in your life five years ago, maybe last week, maybe last month, that's the past. That's what God did. Your testimony is not an historical event. And also, maybe you're a bit like me now. You're, you're anticipating the future, and you'll start to declare some stuff, or maybe, that you would like to see come to pass, right? So like getting your degree, getting married, having kids, buying a house. I'm just putting it out there. That, those are some of the things that I know are going to come to pass in my life, right? But that's in the future. That's in the future. What about the now? So the evidence is if you think about your own testimony, 
if I asked you to come up and share it, most of us, the vast majority, would not be talking about what God is doing now, today. Like, what did God do in your life today that makes a difference? Think about that. Because it's important for us to understand the now, because in understanding the now, we have a better understanding of why the past happened, and also the trajectory and the the will and the plan and the purpose that God has for us in the future. So there are two types of people. I don't know if you've ever done this test, A-type person, B-type person? No? Okay, so I'm an A-type person. A-type people are high-working, high high-achieving, they are focused on time management, process, structure, regulation, all that good stuff. B-type people are a little bit more creative. They tend to be artistic, drawers, you know, people like that, people that I'm not, because um, I'm not creative, right? But B-type people are less stressed. It's proven. A-type people are more high-achieving, they're more focused on what they know they need to get done, and therefore they plan and they process, they've got structures and, and, and protocols that they have to follow in order to get to where they believe they need to go to. But the reality is for you that we can fall into the trap of allowing the past to paralyze us, but also being anxious for the future. The consequence is that we become frozen in time. We are unable to move forward because our history haunts us, and we fail to make the leap of faith into our future because we don't think that we're worthy. So we have to ask ourselves some questions this afternoon. What is God calling you to do right now in this moment, today? And the answer shouldn't be, I hope he finishes in 15 minutes. I've got to watch the football. That's incorrect. I'm asking you a serious question. What is God calling you to do today? Not yesterday, not tomorrow, today. God's will is always manifested to us in the duties and the experiences that we have in the present moment. Our goal is to, is, is to accept them and then become more like Jesus. Because if we don't recognize the here and the now, we don't recognize what God is doing right now in our lives, then we miss the opportunities that God has presented us in our lives here and now. God could be calling us to do great things, but we are often too focused on the past or we're too concerned by the future to ignore what is happening right in front of us. So yes, we should be responsible for looking forwards, but we cannot let the future consume us. At the same time, we cannot let our past paralyze us and hurt us. It does not help us if we focus on the past. The key is to live in the present moment. How do we do that? I want to give us four learning outcomes this afternoon. Number one, recognize that you must learn to live day to day on God's provision. In the Old Testament, God provided manna to the Israelites so that they would not starve. But the manna came with a provision in Exodus 16, verse 4. The people are to go out that day and gather enough for that day. If you tried to gather and hoard, the manna would go bad and rot. Later, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He calls them back to that, saying, give each day our daily bread in Matthew 6, 11. As Christians, we must learn to trust that God will provide us sufficient grace, courage, and love for today. Maybe you're like me and you worry about situations. Does anyone worry about situations? Mm -hmm. Just me? So I'm writing a dissertation on the moment. Started it anyway, a thousand words in. Seven and a half to go. Praise God. See, I'm already worried. No. Um, Christians that worry suffer from temporary atheism. 
you choose to worry, I guarantee however much you're worrying about that thing, whatever that thing is, I guarantee you only one thing. However much you're worrying about it is a reflection of how little control you believe you have of it. So, think about what you're thinking about. Take some time to know that worry often stems from your desire and our desire to control a particular situation, and therefore by controlling the situation, we can control the outcome. But actually, God is in control. We sing the songs, don't we? God is in control. Amen. That should be the starting point for us. We know that he and he alone will provide us everything that we need, that we will overcome as long as we submit and we surrender to him. It's not about striving to do better. It's about surrendering more and more to him. Number two, recognize that God is working in the now. The now, today, this day that you have been given. Part of living day to day means focusing on the now rather than worrying about the future or worrying about the past. Jesus is very clear in Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. And how many of us here are worrying about next week and next month and next year? He's saying, don't worry about tomorrow because what? There is enough trouble for tomorrow for itself. Our problems can seem insurmountable if we start worrying about the future. That's why Jesus gives us an approach that is day by day. Think about what is happening right now. Train yourself not to think about what might happen this week, this month, or even towards the end of this year. Allow yourself the time and the space for God to work in the now. And God will give you what you need for the now. Take some time to do some of the things that I do. If you get stressed, if you get worried, if things overpower you, try and understand the variables that are attached to it. Try and understand the thing, the person, the situation that has caused you to feel that way. Because when you start to understand that, you will under start to understand the signals of your heart. The signals of your heart are merely then transmitted to what's going on in your brain, and that's what's causing the fear, that's what's causing the doubt, that's what's causing the worry. Take a moment to look around you, to look in front of you, and describe it to God. Hey God, I'm in a situation, I don't know, maybe, maybe you have a paper that's due tomorrow, and you know that you should have done it weeks ago, and you knew the deadline was weeks ago, and now you have to get it done for tomorrow, you can say to God, hey, I know I've messed up here. I know that I should have done this. I know I should have done that. I need your grace in this moment because I've got to get X hundred number of words done between now and midnight or one o'clock so that you can submit it on time tomorrow morning. You have to focus on what God is doing here and now in your life. Now, that might feel unusual to you because the natural disposition is always to look to the future. It's always to look to what God is doing. But if we always allow ourselves to think like that, then we will never allow God to have control over any situation in your life. You are saying that you are Lord of your life and not God. Number three, pay attention to your thoughts. This is very important if you want to overcome this. 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says, we demolish. So he's not even suggesting that we dismantle it and put it in a box to rebuild it next week or keep part of it alive. He's saying we demolish, we obliterate, we annihilate arguments and every pretension. So it's not a pick and choose mentality. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want to remind you, your thinking controls you. What you think about controls you. But you can control what you're thinking about. 
If you give in to anxiety, if you give in to fear in times of conflict or stress, and you do that frequently enough and consistently enough over a period of time, you are training your brain to have a default mentality to anxiety and fear based on times where you are in conflict or stress. You need to learn to break that. So there's a solution to it. You have to abandon it. You have to not allow yourself to ruminate on the things that will steal your time, that will steal your joy. No dwelling on the things that are not happening. Celebrate the things that are. It's something else that we struggle with as Christians, I think, right? We're always worried about what God isn't doing, what God hasn't done, than we are celebrating and championing and praising and giving God glory for what he has done. How many times do we just present lists after lists about what God needs to do in our lives versus thank you, Lord, for what you have done? Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing. Because I guarantee you this, friends, for every single person in this room, God is active in your life right now, today. The problem is that a lot of us are consumed by the past, or we don't feel that we have succeeded or achieved sufficient, or we are in so much denial or worry about what the future may hold that we fail to see what's often in front of us. We fail to see what God is actually doing in and through your life. If you train your heart and mind, you will learn to train your thoughts. As you learn to train your thoughts, you will learn to speak out and declare God's word over every situation in your life. If you can enter each day believing that God will grant you all that you need, you will pull your mind away from negative focuses and negative worries, from the what-ifs of life to the present moment that you stand in. We know the words in scripture, don't we? that he never leaves or forsakes us. And yet often, when we don't get that job that we wanted, when that relationship doesn't develop the way we want it to, when we don't get that pay rise that we expected, all of a sudden, God has disappeared. Well, that violates scripture, because the scriptures make it very clear that God is omnipotent and omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all the time. He is present and active and moving in your life right now today. The challenge for us is to become more aware of it. We need to become more aware of his presence in our lives. Number four, today, now, is where God lives. Today, now, is where God lives. When you come to the conscious awareness, the often trivial or self-focused thinking about your past or your potential future it is robbing the glory of God that surrounds you every single day. That's your reality. Whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not, that is your reality. But if we can learn to break out of that, we can learn to see God for who he really is, in his full capacity, what he is doing, and what he desires to do in your life. Your focus determines what you experience. I only understood the true extent of that when I understood that God lives in my now. If we remain absorbed by the past or the future, we miss the wonder and the majesty of what God is doing in the present. Shift your thinking and your heart attitude to that fundamental truth, a truth that we must all embrace. The present moment, the moment that is here, the moment that is now, is the only moment that we ultimately live in. The past has gone, the future is yet to come. Remember the past, anticipate the future, but do so from the present, because reality is always now. Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. 
The past is only where God can linger. The future, James 4, verse 14, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. We know that only God can see the future. And the danger of missing the chance of living in the moment with God, where Jesus, in Luke 9, 62, no procrastination, no backward looks. You cannot put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. Seize the day. When was the last time you seized the day? When was the last time you just dismantled all the challenges, all the issues, all the worries about what you've got to do next week, next month, next year, and you just went for it? Think about it for a second. And by the way, this message convicts me before it convicts you, right? I was ruminating on all of this yesterday. I was like, oh man, I haven't done this in a while. I haven't done that. I failed on this. But this is how you're going to move forward. God is alive and he is present in your now. The question is, do you want to partner with the now or do you want to live in anticipation of the future or do you want to be held hostage to your past? When was the last time you did something for the first time? I know that's a question that's been posed before. This should make us think about the here and the now. When was the last time you did something for the first time? When was the last time that you took that radical step to go and do homeless outreach or go and feed um, people that are less needy or less somehow le got less facilities and less opportunities than us? When was the last time that you proclaimed the gospel on a street corner? When was the last time that you paid for someone's dinner or, or so, I don't know, whatever? When was the last time that you really stepped out and you really allow God to lead you versus you putting all the parameters and all the limitations and all the conditions on what I'm going to do for you, Lord. Well, I'll do it for this person, not that person. What, you want me to spend 45 pounds on this? I'll only want to spend 35. And you be all the negotiating, right? We are expert negotiators in our walk with God. I mean, I have a degree in it. Don't know about you guys, but I have a degree in it. Like, I'll do this, but. Hmm? Anyone feel like that? Yeah, I know you do, but it's cool. Just, just wait a minute for the conviction to kick in, don't worry. God has unchanging love and unchanging grace for you. The question is, are you conscious of what God is doing in your life? The great theologian A.W. Tozer said, in a closer and final sense, no one can do God's work, nor does he turn his work over to others to do. He works in his people and he works through them, but it is always he who does the work. So I want you to get your phones out for a second. I know it's always interactive with me. This is, this is probably the only service where you'll be allowed to get your cell phones out if you've not already got them out. And I want you to, to take a moment, go to your notes or whatever, however you type them, write them, Facebook them. Some questions. I don't expect anyone to answer them all now but I want these to be your take-homes. Number one, are you conscious of what God is doing in your life right now? And the best part, by the way, of these questions is you can lie to yourself. I'm never going to know unless you come and tell me what your answers are, which is okay. You're welcome to. But if you say X and it's actually Y, the only person you're lying to is yourself and the Lord. 
Are you conscious of what God is doing in your life right now? Number one. Number two, on the assumption, faith statement, that your answer to question one is yes, are you partnering with what God is doing in your life right now? Because there's a big difference between being conscious of what God is doing and actually partnering with it. There's a big difference. Number three. When did you last just enjoy a moment, so to speak, with the Lord? Where there's no complaining, there's no list of demands and requests and expectations. There's just being. Just being with the Lord. I couldn't find this meme, and I was frustrated because I would have had it on the screen. There was a, 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 yeah, a meme, can you imagine? Uh, a meme of like two people, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it said something like, the best conversations you can often have are where two people just sit next to each other for hours, and nobody says anything, and then one person gets up and walks away. I'm paraphrasing, but something like that. When was the last time you were like that with the Lord? Number four, are you prepared to live your life as a believer moment by moment, day by day? Or are we allowing our walk and our journey with Jesus to become like our work life, our home life, our friendship circles, where we run from pillar to post just to get through stages and situations? And number five rides off the back of that. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Number five. When was the last time that you rejoiced and were glad in the day that God gave you? Caveat here, irrespective of your circumstance. So let me give you an example. You just lost your job but you still rejoiced and were glad that this was the day the Lord gave you. So when were you last rejoicing and glad of the day that God gave you, irrespective of your circumstance? So those are are five questions that should take you some time, if you're honest, to sit and reflect on. Those Those are essentially like learning outcomes for us this afternoon because you can take joy in every moment and in every season of your life. So in conclusion, we need faith that God's grace operates in our lives now. I am convinced that remaining aware of God's presence moment by moment is the single most important task for every person in this room. The challenge is implied in our commitment to surrendering our lives each and every day to Jesus Christ. The only life we have to surrender to him is the one that we live moment by moment. Never let anyone use your past to invalidate your now and your future. 
God has placed gifts on the inside of you. Discover the authority and the anointing assigned to you now so that you can flourish in it in the future. Because your ability to enjoy the present lies in your intimacy with God. So go back to Psalm 46, verse 10. Go back to the just being. Until Jesus satisfies your heart right now, the future isn't. Nothing in your future is going to satisfy your heart now until Jesus satisfies your heart now. All your worries, all your fears can come tumbling down now because the rushing waters of the Holy Spirit will breathe and pour over your life now so that you can then walk into that prosperous future that we love to quote out of context in Jeremiah 29.11. Amen? <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. So that's the goal for us this afternoon. So I want us to take some time to reflect on it and to really ask yourself those, those five questions. If you, if you want to talk to me afterwards, you're welcome to. But that should help shape what God is doing and help you become more aware and more conscious and give you some, some, some strategies to maybe look at where you're doing really well in some areas and then some areas where it's like, oh man, I'm always allowing this to consume me or I'm never really grateful for what God has done today because I'm always expecting God to provide my husband or my wife or double my salary or promote me to CEO or whatever. We're always living in anticipation for the future, but actually celebrate the now. That's what I'm saying. Celebrate the now. Celebrate what God is doing in your life now. Amen?